things of life really wear on a tree. Amidst drought, fire, plagues, pollution, disease. Its annual rings reflect the times and seasons it has weathered. The same can be said of our lives. Our markings tell tales of our own storm's weather. But environment does not hinder the building. We continue to build, grow, and sow today, knowing the master builder will reveal his promises true in our tomorrows. A divine setup for what will only one day be fully seen. God has blessed our church with an incredible, thriving youth ministry. Some may call them the next generation, but here at Celebration, we proudly call them the now generation. At all three of our campuses, the Arena, St. John's, and Orange Park, our middle and high school students pack the place for worship and an encouraging message each week as they gather from all over Jacksonville. While they hold great power and influence, middle and high school students also face more challenges and hardships today than ever before. From bullying, drugs and alcohol, premarital sex, pregnancy, abuse, suicide and more, the statistics are real and they are daunting. On top of all that, one in three have little or no belief in God, the Bible or hope for the future. Whatever the cause, we believe that as a church, God can use us to be a part of the solution to redeem their hope and their purposes in Christ, unleashing them to be all that God has called them to be right now. Starting January 2015, we want to hold monthly citywide youth outreaches right here at Celebration. It is our hope that through these outreaches, youth from all over Jacksonville will find a place where they can encounter God and secure their identity in Him, knowing His plans for them are perfect and good, and walk in that confidence no matter what circumstances they face. No differently than, than you and me, we believe that every one of our young people is called according to God's purpose, and we want every young person in Jacksonville to hear and come to the saving knowledge of that truth. Please join us in continuing to pray for the students of Celebration, and we want to thank you for being a part of not only bringing the good news of Jesus to our own, but to more and more students in our city. Hello, church. Hey, please help me welcome all of our locations, all of our campuses. Right now, we want to welcome you into the weekend. And also, we want to give a special welcome to our church in Northern Ireland, Celebration Northern Ireland. You, they're watching this message. How about that, huh? Man, we are so glad you guys are with us today. Of course, Big John Scott and the team there are doing a fantastic job, and I cannot wait to be over there this spring, and we're so glad uh, that you are with us this weekend as we are continuing in our series uh, legacy, and we're talking specifically about the five laws of legacy. And what I want to do right now, I want to give us a little bit of review, and then we'll head into today's message. So kind of our theme scripture for this series comes out of Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10, and I'm going to read it right now. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, whatever a man sows, everybody say whatever. So whatever a person sows, 
it says that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so a few weeks ago, we began this, these, this legacy series with, and started on the five laws of legacy. And we've gone through the first three. And uh, we also kind of have a statement that we talk about uh, as it pertains to the laws of legacy. And um, that is this. Let me show you. It's, it's so a thought reap an act, sow an act, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, and sow a character, reap a legacy. So the laws of legacy are within the laws of sowing and reaping, and it's that character part. All of us are going to leave something behind. And what we went over the last few weeks was the first law was we reap only what has been sown, either by you or by someone else. And the power statement with that is a legacy is built by our conduct, not our intentions. The second law we talked about was we reap in the same kind as we sow. And we talked about the power statement with that is that God doesn't decide how blessed you are, you do. Jesus says the amount you sow, the amount you give, that's the amount that you're gonna get back. And then the third law of legacy last week was you reap in a different season than you sow. So important, the Bible says, in due season, not your season, but in due season, uh, you will reap. And one of the things that we realize pertaining to that law is that you can sow a seed according to your need. God can make all grace abound to you. And as you sow, God can bring things into your life, needs that you have. You reap what you sow. And so what I want to do today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. And then I'm going to read a scripture out of uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And we're going to look at the fourth law of legacy today. Let me read this out of Matthew chapter 16, 18 and 19. This is the first time that Jesus mentions the word church. Jesus says, and I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. Everybody say my church. My church, Jesus, Jesus does not say a church or the church. It's very personal to him. It's a, it's a but personal. He says, my church. And he goes on to say, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then 1 John 5, 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. Everybody say victory. See, God's called us to win, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I want to talk to you today in the context of the fourth law of legacy, really the legacy of the church, and I've entitled this message, When We War, We Win. When we war, we win. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, for these next uh, 25 minutes or so, God, give us a hungry heart. This is so, so important that we understand our identity as a church and our legacy as a church. We give you all the thanks in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Let's go right to law four today, and that is this. Law number four, the laws of legacy, which are the laws of sowing, and reaping is a good harvest requires planting in the right field. 
A good harvest requires planting in the right field. And obviously, if you were a farmer, you would understand this. If you want a good harvest, you got to plant it in the right field, a field that has good soil, a field that uh, is, is fertilized properly, a field that's in the right area where it gets enough sun and, and not too much shade or, or whatever that is. It is crucial to get a good harvest. A good harvest requires planting in the right field. And so... It's important for us to realize as followers of Christ, okay, when it comes to the kingdom of God, okay, what is the right field to plant in? Well, we just read it right there in Matthew chapter 16. It's obvious what is most precious to Jesus. What is the only thing that Jesus is building? Jesus is building his church. It is his church. That is the only thing that Jesus is building on the planet, his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then, of course, there are several scriptures like Psalms 92, verse 13, where it says what? Those that are planted, planted, speaks of soil. Those that are planted where? In the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So we understand that it's the church that has the fertile soil where we plant our lives, where we plant our resources, we plant our finances, our energy, our time, our talents. As we plant in that fertile soil, we're going to flourish and the kingdom of God is going to flourish. But, but here's kind of the next question I want to bring up and that is this. Okay, so does this apply to every church? So is every church fertile soil? Well, let me give you some facts about the church right now in America, okay? And these facts are pretty alarming. Did you know this, that right now in the United States of America, there are over 200 million unchurched people making it the fourth largest unchurched nation. We are the fourth largest unchurched nation in the entire world. 50 years ago, people never thought that this could be possible. But we are now one of the most unchurched nations in the entire world. Listen to this alarming statistic. Did you know that right now in the United States, there are over 350,000 churches? How, uh, however, four out of five of these churches have either plateaued or are in decline. Four out of five, 80% of the churches in the United States have plateaued. That means they're not reaching people, they're not growing, or they're actually in decline. They're actually losing what the people that they've reached and the ground that they have gained. Every year, every single year, over 3,500 3, churches shut down every single year in the United States, and that number is rising every single year, okay? So let me give you some good news, all right? Ready for some good news? By the year 2020, 60,000 new churches will open. How about that, right? That's good news. Well, unfortunately, can I kind of give you the bad news around that? <laughs> By 2020, over 55,500 churches will shut down. So by 2020, we'll gain 60,000 churches. And I want, to let, I want to let everyone know at Celebration Church, you, did you know this? You are going to be responsible for 2,000 of those 60,000 new churches opening by 2020 because, 
because I'm, I'm on the executive board of an organization called ARC, the Association of Related Churches. And we've planted almost 500 churches right now. And by 2020, we will have planted over 2,000 churches in the United States. And so you're part of 2,000 of that 60,000 number that's going to be planted. So thank you for putting God first in that area. We're going to make a difference there. However, unfortunately, there's 55,500 that's going to shut down. So here's what we'll have by 2020. We'll have a net gain of 4,500 churches. A net gain of 4,500 churches. The number of churches that we need to open just to keep up with the population, 48,000. So not even a tenth of the churches that we need to open by 2020. This is not gaining any ground. This is just to keep up with the population growth. And the other alarming thing about this statistic is this, America is responsible for a lot of the missions and the mission growth and taking the gospel around the world. So when the church in America suffers, the global church suffers. So I'm saying, I wanna say to you today, church, listen, that, that there is a cause out there and we might be, you know, driving around Jacksonville or, or, or even Ireland or, or, you know, Orange Park in St. John's County and, and Orlando and all these places. And we have this idea where here's a church and there's a church and here's a church. Listen, 80% of the churches are in decline or not growing. We're not even planning a tenth of the churches that we need by 2020 just to keep up with the population growth. Listen, we are losing ground. But you know what? If the church will wake up, if we'll understand who we are, and who Jesus has called us to be, I'm telling you, we have the victory in Christ. We can overcome. And I was looking at these statistics this past week, and God reminded me what I shared with you last week. This summer when I was praying, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me so powerfully and said, we're going to war. We're going to war. And when I kind of processed that with God, it was like God was like, we're going to war. And, the, and the, the, the beachhead, the battlefield, the main battle, it's for the next generation. It is for the youth in America. And we are going to go to war and we are going to reach the youth of this city. We're going to reach the youth of Ireland. We're going to reach the youth in Orange Park and St. John's County and Orlando. And we're going to reach their parents and we're going to reach their siblings and we're going to reach their neighbors. And li- listen, listen, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. And here's the other thing I want us to understand, okay, with where we are at Celebration Church. And obviously, I don't ever say things like this a lot, but it helps in context with this message, okay? So there's over 350,000 churches in the United States. 80% are declining or plateaued, okay? Celebration Church, your church. Did you know, according to Outreach Magazine, we are the 33rd largest church in the United States, Out of over 350,000, we're the 33rd largest. Celebration Church has grown every single year of its existence, okay? Here's what that means. We're not in the top 1% of churches. We're in the top 1% of the 1%. We're one one one-hundredth of the top growing and largest churches in all of America. And Jesus said this, to whom much is given, much is required. Church, I'm telling you, God has blessed us and favored us. We know how to plant churches. We know how to grow churches. Because of the grace of God, we know how to reach people. We see, we, uh, they showed me a statistic the other day. Since moving in the arena, all of our locations, we have seen over 22,000 decisions for Christ. Come on, can you give God a hand for that? 
And I believe that God is speaking to his church in America and throughout the world right now. He's speaking to us and he's saying, listen, it is time for war. And the church needs to come back and realize who we are, realize our identity as a people and what we're called to do. We're not a social club. We're not a hangout club, okay? We don't just get together just to sing and feel good about ourselves. We have a mission. We have a purpose. And we're to advance the kingdom of God and the mission of Jesus and the gospel of Christ until he comes. That's who we are. And if we lose that purpose, we lose who we are. And the church declines and the enemy gains ground. So what I wanna do over these next few moments is I wanna take a look at our identity. I wanna take a look at what it's gonna take for the church to leave a lasting legacy. I'm telling you this, regardless of what is going on out there, Celebrations Church, our legacy will not be that we got comfortable and that we plateaued and that we got in decline and we didn't do our part to get out there and reach the lost and hurting of this generation. So I think it's real simple. I just think if the church functions how we're supposed to function, God is gonna bless and we're gonna advance his kingdom because here's the awesome thing. Okay, Jesus has already won the war. He's already given us the victory, but we gotta get out there and fight. That's why the Bible doesn't say win the good fight of faith. It says what? Fight the good fight of faith. But for to, to see Jesus' victory, we have to fight. So I want to give you four passages of scripture where Jesus really, they're all red letter, they're all statements from Jesus where Jesus really puts identity around the church, okay? And if you're familiar with theology and, and, uh, and, and, and biblical studies and things like that, you'll understand the law of the first mention, and that is this. Whenever there's a first mention about something, a word, or the context of something, it has a lot to do with its identity. It kind of sets the tone for its identity. And so, so we're going to look at these four kind of first mentions about the church that Jesus says, and uh, we're going to be able to see the identity of the church and how we can prevail. Let's look at the first one. This is, this is the first ministry. Everybody say the first ministry. The first ministry, and here is Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. Jesus says this, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, come on, I think that's everybody, right? That's all human beings. Among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now look at verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Everybody say force. For all of the prophets in the law prophesied until John. So here's what Jesus is saying now. Okay, there's, there's kind of a different, there's a different identity going now. We've been in the old covenant. We can read about that identity in the Old Testament, but now it's different. John the Baptist came on the scene, and what did he do? He began to say, prepare the way of the Lord, right? So John's saying, prepare the way of the Lord. It's like the first ministry of the church before the church is ever really born. It's the first message of the church here. And John's saying, prepare the way of the Lord. And Jesus is on the scene, and Jesus comes here right now, and he, 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 he puts context around what's going on here. He says, okay, look, since John the Baptist started this kind of first ministry of the church to preface my coming, since he started this until now, and it's gonna keep going on, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Jesus said this, from here on out, we're at war. 
From here on out, make no mistake about it, the the first ministry of the church, you'll never understand the first ministry of the church or the first message of the church until you understand that we are at war. And here's what I want to say to all of us. Listen, we're at war whether we like it or not. There is a real kingdom of darkness and there is a real kingdom of, of light and we are on limited time here and it is a battle for human souls. And Jesus sets this and that's why he brings kind of this military language. Did you see that? Violence, force, all those kind of things. Here's what Jesus says, okay? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violence, take it by force, we're at war. Yes, we're the body of Christ. Yes, we're the bride of Christ, okay? But the bride of Christ didn't fulfilled until the marriage supper of the land. And a lot of times we look at ourselves as the body of Christ. Well, let me tell you, you can look at Jesus' body while he was on earth. He was at war. He said, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. The only way for peace is war. Jesus waged war for your soul so your soul could be at peace. So we're at war. And here's a statement that he's making everybody. Make no mistake about it, okay? The enemy, the devil, he only responds to force. If you don't fight, kingdom of heaven suffers violence. He's coming after you, but he says the violent take it by force. Jesus says this, if you fight, you'll win. But understand, you have an enemy. He only responds to force. He will only relinquish when you show force. We're familiar with war language, right? You might watch the news, uh, things like that, and you'll hear about our country maybe at odds with another country, going to war with another country or making threats to another country. And a lot of times you hear the language, this country or this type of people, they only respond to force. In other words, we can't negotiate. If there's a peace treaty, they're, uh, they're really doing something subversive. They're not gonna honor it. The only way that we can get peace here or bring freedom or whatever that mission is, the only way these, they, we have to show force. Make no mistake about it, church. In your personal life and in the church, we have to show force. If we don't show force, the devil begins to gain ground. It's the first ministry, the first message. Look at the second thing here, and we read this at the beginning of the message. He says, also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church in the gates of Hades or the gates of hell. Everybody say the gates of hell. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you see that? They will not prevail against it. Okay, why? Now let's look what he says here because this has to do with fighting. It has to do with force. It has to do with action. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So do you see this language here again? Prevail. There's the gates of hell, things like that. Jesus is speaking military language. Why? Because the church is a military outpost. And here's what he says, okay? The way that the devil fights, watch, he operates with gates, okay? Gates or prisons, okay? Think about a gate. What If you have a gate around your yard, what does a gate do? A gate keeps certain things out, Right? And it keeps certain things in. So what the enemy does is he sets up gates in our communities, in our cities, around families, all over the world. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to keep oppression in and he wants to keep the life of God out. So he sets up gates of addiction, of poverty, of divorce, of perversion, of all kind of wickedness, of all kind of, 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 of violence, all that he sets up these gates and he has these gates and what God has called the church to do is watch, is to attack the gates 
come on, build the heavenly gate, we're going to get people out of darkness and we're going to what? We're going to bring them into God's kingdom. Church, church, listen. What are gates? The gates are the strongholds in our community. They're the strongholds in Orange Park. They're the strongholds in St. John's. They're the strongholds in Jacksonville. They're the strongholds over this region. What the enemy does is he sets up gates to keep people in prison, in addiction, in bondage, in perversion, and all these things. And here's what Jesus says. If you'll just go to the gate, you'll prevail. He's saying if you'll just get out there and fight, the gates of hell cannot stop you. Why? Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. What is the message of the gospel? He came what? To set the captives free. He came to get them out of the gate. And the church's mission, what we're supposed to do as a church, is we get out there in our communities. You know what? We attack the gates. We show force to the gates. It's not a physical force, but it's a force of the love of God and with the word of God and getting out there into those places and sacrificing and making a difference. Listen, you want to know why the church is in decline? Because there's too many churches being built for spaghetti dinners instead of churches being built for war. I'm getting a little mad at the enemy. And that's why the, I told you during this series, I was going to share with you those three things that God spoke to me about our church and about this next season. And that third thing that he spoke to me, he showed me a vision. He said, Stovall, here's what I want you to do. You have a hub in, in Jacksonville where, where the arena is. That's a hub. He says, I want you to build a heavenly gate around the city. We have Orange Park. That's why this land and building at Orange Park is so important. We are taking ground for the kingdom of God. We're putting up part of the wall of the gate. That's why at St. John's, we're very close to getting land there. It's the same thing. We're putting up part of the wall on the gate. We're going to go to Arlington. We're going to go out at the beaches. We're going to go up to the north side. There's going to be the arena, and we're going to have six campuses, seven campuses total. There were seven churches in the book of Revelation. We're going to have seven campuses total in this city, and we are going to build a heavenly gate around this kingdom. And you know what? We're bringing God in, and we're getting the enemy out. Come on, give God a hand. We're going to build a heavenly gate around our communities and around our city. We want to do the same thing in Ireland, the same thing in Orlando and at our global locations as well. But God's called us. He's called us to fight. When we war, we win. When we war, we win. So we've seen the first ministry, we've seen the first mention in Matthew 16, 18, and 19. That was the first mention, the first time Jesus actually says the word church. Once again, identifies it with military language, with warring language. Now let's look at the third one here. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. And this is the first mission here. The first mission. Luke chapter 17. It says, then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan, very important. Watch this. 
Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Everybody say, all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall hurt you. Okay, so this is the first mission of the church. And then Jesus goes on to say this. He goes to say, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So he kind of reminds them of the goal of this ministry, this outreach that they're doing here. But let me tell you about this first mission. Very, very important, okay? The disciples are going out, and it's not just the 12, it's the 70 here. They're going out and they're, 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 they're doing outreaches here. And they're going out and they're preaching the gospel and they're praying for people and healing the sick and healing the oppressed and things like that. And they come back to Jesus and they say, they're basically saying this, Lord, we didn't realize we could do this. We didn't realize if we would just get out there and fight, we had all this power and anointing to drive the enemy back. So that's why Jesus kind of reminds them. He said, you know, I saw Satan fall like light. He said, look, I give you all the power over the enemy as long as you're out there and you're in the fight. Very important what Jesus says. They come back rejoicing and Jesus says this. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Okay, watch. Now we know, yes, the devil was kicked out of heaven, that that there also could be a very literal application to when the devil was cast out of heaven. But let me just tell you a principle behind this right here. How the enemy operates, and the Bible says this, that there is spiritual wickedness, there are principalities, and there are powers where? In the heavenly realms. And the, one of the ways that the enemy oppresses a community, a city, even a nation, is through the principalities and powers of the air. Demonic spirits and principalities will come and they will try to exert force or dominion over a nation or a country. If you go on the mission field, you can feel this. You can go into some areas and there's like, man, there's this like spirit of lust. Another one, there's like this spirit of idolatry and witchcraft and demonic oppression. You can, you can, you can feel sometimes the oppression. You can walk in a place and you can feel those, those uh, demonic powers and principalities. Here's what Jesus says. If you go out, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. If you go out there and preach the gospel and reach people, guess what? The enemy loses his perch, fall like light. In their place in the heavenlies, they lose their authority. They lose their power. If you'll just get out there with the authority of Jesus, if you'll just be the church, I'm telling you, the spirits that are oppressing Orange Park, they're going to lose their perch. They're going to lose their power. The spirits that are oppressing Ireland, they're going to lose their perch. They're going to lose their power. The the spirits that are oppressing the city of Jacksonville, they're going to lose their perch. They're going to fall like lightning from heaven. Church, I'm telling you, if we will get out there, if we'll go, we've got to stay on mission. Why do churches shut down? Why do churches close? Why do churches decline? All those things. Here's what happened. They fight for a while. Then they get to a place and they lose their identity. They forget they're in the war. They forget what Jesus said about the first ministry. They forget what he said, the first mention of the church. They forget what happened on the first mission. They forget that we're, in, we're a heavenly military outpost on earth and we are occupying and advancing until Christ comes. And if the church, here's the good news, we have the victory in Jesus. 
if we will just get out there and fight the good fight of faith and stay true to who we are. I'm telling you the blessings of God, the provision of God. Man, you're, you're expanding God's family. You're blessing God. Of course he's going to bless your family. You're out there in the fight. Think about this. If I was a military general or something like that, if, I, if my frontliners, my soldiers, if they were out there fighting for freedom and, 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 all, and giving it all they got, man, if I had the resources, remember God has unlimited resources. If I had the resources, man, I would bless them with the best equipment. I'd bless them with great houses. I'd want to see their families blessed. I would want them to get the rest that they need. I would make sure that things, I would do everything I could. Why? Because I want them healthy and blessed. Why? Because they're in the fight. They're in a war. And guess what? It's not an in and out job. It's not a quick war. It's a long-term war. That's why these laws of legacy, these laws of sowing and reaping are so important when we're talking about your finances and things like that. Listen, God wants you financially blessed. You know why? Because wars cost money. He needs you continually to be blessed so that you can give and so that you can be a blessing to your family so you can stay in the fight for the long term. Let's look at the last one here. Everybody say, when we war, we win. When we war, we win. The last one here, and this is the first mandate, the first mandate. This is Luke chapter 14, 25 through 33. It says this, now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he also cannot be my disciple. Then Jesus goes on to say, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. Now, let me, let me tell you what is going on here, okay? Jesus had just finished ministering to the multitudes. He'd done all kind of miracles and all kind of healings, and everybody was blessed, and everybody was happy. Now, watch this. Jesus wanted to make sure that they understood what following him and being part of the church was all about. So he kind of has a moment with them here. You know, like, like you know how we say, you know, I, I, I need to have a come to Jesus moment with you. Well, this was like literally, I think, one of the first come to Jesus moments, except it was actually Jesus himself. He's having a come to Jesus moment with these thousands of people. He says, I want to be real clear here what, what, what it means to be part of my church. And he's going to say, you know, you don't hate your father, mother, brother. Now that word in the Greek, it doesn't mean hate like we use the word hate. It just means to not have first. It means when it comes to a choice, is it God or what your relatives say or your friends say or your family say? Well, obviously we choose God first. We love God more than anyone else. Can I have a good amen? It's just God is first. You've got to choose God first. And he even says about your own life, you cannot be my disciple. And then look what he goes on to say. He says, who, he says for which of you, verse 28, for which of you, intending to build a tower. Now, if you look at this word up in the Greek and, and some of the, the translations actually say it, this is a military tower. This is war military terminology here that the people would understand in that day. If, which of you, speaking of a military tower, if you intended to build one, does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it. 
Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes out against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus says this in context. What does Jesus mean by forsaking all? He means that nothing else can be what? First. Nothing else can be first in your life. But what Christ is saying here is, look, I want to be real clear, all the multitudes that are following me, I love y'all. There's going to be miracles. There's going to be blessing. There's going to be great joy in the kingdom of God. But make no mistake about what the church is. We are a military tower. We are a military outpost. And you know what? It is going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you relationships. And if you have any of those things before me, this is not going to work. So Celebration Church, our mission statement, leading people to experience what? A God-first life. He's saying it's not going to look. What does Jesus say in, in another context of Scripture? What? Whoever loses his life will what? Save it. Okay? But he will find his life in me. Here's what I want to say to you. If you will come to the decision to lose your life in the cause of Christ, if you'll truly forsake all, what that means is it's just God is truly first. He's first in your money. He's first in your family. He's first in your business. He's truly first. I'm telling you that you will find a joy and a fulfillment and a, pur- and a purpose that you never knew was possible. I'm telling you, as you sow into the kingdom of God, he will bless you back so much because you are doing the things that please him. God is looking for people that will not make peace with the enemy, but will continue to build military towers and outposts and take ground. And it's celebration that's what we're doing and we're starting this year and when we sow that seed on on December 7th in our faith estimates for our over and above giving for 2015 you know what we are building a military tower and outpost that are going to reach the youth of the city we're going to bring a military tower that land in OP there's a tower going up there St. John's there's a tower going up there We're going to eventually have a tower in Ireland and in all of our low. We are building military towers. We are going to war and we are seeing the glory of God come to this city. I don't think there's much time left and the cause is too great. Church, I need you to realize that there's a cost, but oh, that cost is so worth it because you will find true life in Christ and you will have the most blessed life that you could possibly have. So here's what I'm asking you to do is we're just a couple of weeks away from our Heart for the House offering on December 7th. Let me just give you three things and I'm gonna pray and close. Number one, pray and ask God what you should give. So, so important. And I'm asking you, before you ask God that, just make sure your life surrendered to him. Make sure that you've forsaken all in context of what that means. Say, God, I'm in the fight. When we war, we win. Your family, if you'll just show force, your family will win. 
your business, if you just show force with God being first, you're going to win. We have the victory in Christ. But you pray and you ask God, and there's two things you need to pray about because there's two things that we're doing on that December 7th. The first thing is we're bringing our best one-time offering as much as we can on that day as God directs you. And what that's going to be, that's going to be our seed that we're planting at the end of 14 so that God can bring a financial harvest to us in 2015 because he needs you in the fight. He needs you in the war. Also, what we're going to be doing, we turn those in, you're going to put your needs, remember those two or three needs on that card, what you're believing for in 2015. See, because you're giving towards God and its needs, you're sacrificing for your family. So we're going to put that on there. We're going to sow a seed according to your need, and you're going to see those blessings and miracles that you're believing for. You're going to see God do that to you because of what you're doing for him. And man, we are going to water those seeds. We're going to have every one of them. We're doing Friday night prayer meetings during the 21 days of praying and fasting. We are bombarding heaven for your need and your seed that you are sowing. Also on that day, we're going to have faith estimate cards, okay? We don't like to call them pledges, but it's because I like faith, just faith estimate. And what you're going to do is you're going to turn those in. That is what you believe you can give or you're believing God to give over and above your tithe for 2015. Why do we do two ways? Because a lot of people, they maybe can't give very much for the one-time offering, but they can really give on, on a monthly over and above offering. And also, we know that we want to continue to sow that seed and we're in the fight and we're doing these military uh, towers, these outposts, so to speak, all throughout the city. And you're going to see a reaping like you've never seen before in your life. I believe that with all my heart. I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. So those are the two things we're going to do that day. I need you to pray to God about that. And remember this, identify your needs that you're sowing towards. Identify your personal needs that you're sowing towards. And then come on December 7th, full of faith, full of faith, ready to God, for God to move. Come on, how many of you are excited about that, huh? Awesome church. Let me pray for you right now. Bow your heads. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, God. And Lord, I just pray for every precious person under the sound of my voice. God, thank you for Ireland being with us, uh, Northern Ireland being with us today. God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. God, move on our hearts as what we can give on December 7th and what we can pledge or faith estimate over and above uh, monthly in 2015, God. I thank you as we sow, God, we are going to reap. Lord, I pray for everyone on the sound of my voice that's not fully surrendered to you. I pray they do that right now. If that's you, you just do that right now in your heart. You say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I forsake all. I follow you. Thank him for eternal life. He's an awesome Lord. God, we're going to war. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, give God a big, big hand. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Our prayer is that it will help you to live a God-first life. For more information about Celebration Church and other available resources, please visit our website at www.celebration.org.